0: Welcome to the Philcraft Survival Podcast with your host, Mike Glover. Hey guys, welcome back to the Philcraft Survival Podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and today we're talking about nutrition. Hey, last episode, we talked about special forces assessment selection and what you need to do to prepare physically and mentally, I give you a few tips and we talked vaguely about the overall process. Well, because we talked vaguely about it, we identified a whole bunch of different subtasks that identifies a whole bunch of podcasts of good information that we talked specifically about, including nutrition. Nutrition is something that is really broadly talked about in so many ways if you pick up a men's health a men's fitness you'll read a hundred articles about how i need to eat right what i need to do pre-workout during workouts post-workout but really it's meant for the aesthetic and not the performance when i started looking at nutrition early on in my career i had to do my own research because The military, a government institution, doesn't provide a lot of resources for nutrition, especially when it's related to physical performance. And so I had to take seminars, I had to take college courses, I had to do my own research and reading people's experiences and books to get this information. So what I'm going to do today is on this podcast, I'm going to share with you some tactics and techniques that I utilize through my military career. But also, I'm not just going to focus just on performance-based nutrition but also survival-based nutrition i intentionally made this podcast not just oriented towards the person who is potentially trying out for special operations but i want to make it for everybody including people at home who are just you know working in a nine-to-five doing the daily grind who want to be better prepared in nutrition if something goes wrong but also being healthier and applying this nutrition strategy your everyday life and physical fitness, really in, in your daily routine. I remember when I first joined the US Army, I went to basic training and advanced individual training in 1997. And in infantry basic training, it's all one stop, right? You do basic and advanced individual training at Fort Benning, Georgia, the eight weeks of basic, and then you do an additional six to seven weeks of infantry training. And you're with guys in your class who are all doing the same course and through that development you know you're getting physically fit you're obviously getting stripped down out of your civilian life and getting integrated into the u.s army and the u.s military being 17 years old when i arrived to basic training i didn't have a lot of life experience you know when i was in high school i played football i did combatives i did ninjitsu i did jujitsu i did thai kickboxing i did a lot of activities. But being so young, nutrition wasn't really something that we even discussed amongst athletes in that time period. I remember the most that I knew about nutrition was post-recovery, after a stressful or hardcore physical fitness routine, I needed to take in protein. And usually that was in a shake, usually that was in eating meat to build muscle. Also, creatine was a popular thing to enhance performance, but for me, for my physiological makeup. It just made me bloated and made me feel like crap. So I really didn't do it. So there was an emphasis on vitamins and minerals, an emphasis on maintaining carbohydrate and electrolyte levels. You know, the emphasis was just pushing through. And I remember this time period on the news, there was a whole bunch of incidents in America where football players, especially young football players were dying on the football field because they weren't adequately hydrated. And so there was a push to keep them hydrated. And I remember when I was playing sports during that time period, I was drinking and forced to drink a lot of water. But as we learned through the last decade, drinking too much water actually flushes the good electrolytes and prevents your body from rehydrating. And so if you're not educated in this process, you're depending on coaches, you're depending on athletic staff to help you through this. And if you don't understand this, you're just listening to what they say. Fast forward to the military, and we're going through the same exact thing. It was funny, and it was almost a joke back then, but now looking back on it, it was pretty serious. If our knees hurt, we were told to take a knee and drink water. If we felt sorry for ourselves, if we felt fatigued, if we felt nauseous, if we felt sleepy, the solution was drinking water. And we had to carry a two-quart canteen and a one quart canteen everywhere we went. And we were constantly force hydrated. And I remember during that time period, there was people who were dying in basic training in other services that were being force hydrated. And they were dying because of this loss of electrolytes. And they were going into shock essentially, and they were passing away. So you you have to look at this institution as we develop and determine whether or not it's the right solution. And it's the right answer. You know, my philosophy on all this stuff that I talk about, whether it's tactics, whether it's nutrition, any information that's being provided by an institution, by the government, I just take it with a grain of salt. Cause I like to do my own research based on subject matter experts, you know, subject matter experts are going to be the guys and the gals who perform on a daily basis. And, you know, I would look towards athletes or professionals in those industries. When I think about my time in the military in the beginning, I also remember having squad leaders and leaders along the way that I thought did unusual things. I had a squad leader, Staff Sergeant Reed, great dude. And before PT tests, before physical fitness tests, which you know was a two-mile run, push-ups and sit-ups, he would eat a Snickers bar. And I, I used to always think to myself, that's really odd that he would do that, that he would eat a Snickers bar prior And I thought, how could he do that? How could you eat a Snickers bar? How could you eat anything prior to doing any kind of physical fitness activity? And what I started to realize, when you're young and you do things like push-ups, sit-ups, two-mile run, you typically have enough store or food stores on board. And when I say food stores, I mean sugar in your bloodstream. So you're able to get through those events and do it without a lot of food. Well, if you were like Sartre Reed, who was a little bit more experienced in his mid 20s, he didn't have that kind of diet and he depended on what he put in his body prior to the workout to succeed. Moving past this, I'll, I'll highlight the third story before I go into some tips and things that you need to do to get yourself prepared for these events. Is, you know, I've mentioned this before, when I went to Pre Ranger in the infantry, I actually did a 12 mile road march, and this 12 mile road march took me On average, a 12-mile road march would take me a couple hours, and that's walking with a 45-pound ruck dry, which means the dry weight doesn't change, and whatever I augment that weight with is just extra weight. So if I carried a couple quarts or a few quarts of water, that weight wasn't added to the 45 pounds. So at a minimum, I was going to have 45 pounds on my back, and I was going to be moving as fast as I could. So during this time period, I wanted to win. And essentially I started ruck running, which means I was doing intervals of running, followed by walking, followed by running, followed by walking the entire duration. Well, I didn't have a lot of food stores on board and my fuel was low. I remember feeling tired that morning, and which is an indicator of your blood sugar. And as I started this uh, ruck, I started to get tunnel vision and everything started to close in. And what was happening is Because I didn't have fuel on board, I was basically, you know, they call it zonkin or bonkin, but I was hitting the bottom end of not having any fuel. And the only thing left to do was to replenish that. Well, I didn't have anything to replenish my blood sugar with. The only thing I had, which I thought was the solution, was water. As I drank this water, it just flowed through me. And basically my body was rejecting anything I put in my system except for potentially any food that I could take in. And so I went from first place with six miles in to actually walking one step at a time and not giving up. And every single person in that element passed me. I didn't give up. But I didn't quit. It was probably the biggest gut check I've ever, ever experienced because I went from someone who was used to, to winning, someone who was used to performing and outperforming other peers of mine. And now I was the guy who was in last place who was walking one step at a time to make sure I got across the finish line. And I remember thinking people that I saw during this identified exactly what was happening, but they couldn't really intelligibly communicate what the process was. No one really understood it. And that's a huge disconnect, right? Because you would think in the infantry or in special operations that people would understand this, but it's not something that's often talked about. It's not something that's often in this institution resourced to educate our soldiers, no matter what tier of special operations they're in. So there was a lot of learning that I had to do. And that was a big eye opening experience for me because it made me understand that no matter how tough I was, that didn't matter. It only took me to a certain point in which when your body starts failing, there is minimal recovery and effort that could take place. No matter how strong you are mentally, If your body wasn't prepared and your body wasn't fueled, you were going to potentially fail because of that lack of preparation. So fast forward years in special operations, you know, I've been through selection. I went through a whole bunch of different military schools and I was selected and assessed for a whole bunch of different things, but I never had to do a gut check like I did for selection. When I, when I went to selection, I did a lot of research and I read up on a lot of books especially endurance athlete books and started stitching together a lot of information that I would apply to my daily workouts. And so I would experiment with what worked best for me as an individual. My body type, I'm 225 pounds. When I was in special operations, I was 215, 210 to 215. And I was known as somebody who had a lot of good endurance. I wasn't a fast runner, but I was a decent runner. I had a lot of good upper body strength. I wasn't a good swimmer. But I could go the long haul if I had to, especially when it came to a rucksack. Going in special operations and going into selection, if I connected my physical capabilities and optimized that with nutrition, then I could basically enhance my performance and get through these difficult schools. So part of the things that I learned in the train-up phase is there is a definitive pre, during, and post Nutritional process and so that's the first tips that I'm going to give you in this podcast is what you need to do Prior to a workout what you need to do during a workout and what you need to do post-recovery I've actually learned a lot over the past couple years, especially being in the government side and having the luxury of not Brutalizing my body and you know taking care of myself and not having operations dictate that plan and for the lack of better terminology, you know, being spoiled, I've had to connect a lot of dots as far as uh, vitamins and minerals and longevity in this career field, or, or really for me being a civilian, just being fit for as long as I can be. The first thing we're going to talk about is pre, pre-workout, pre-workout nutrition. Pre-workout nutrition, which when I talk about nutrition, I'm talking about hydration, I'm talking about food. Everything that you put in your body is essentially nutrition. Well, pre-workout doesn't just start with a timeline based on the event. Pre-workout is all the time. Whenever you're not working out, you're pre-workout. So it's a very important that you, you concentrate your efforts on feeling and optimizing your body for performance before. You know, a lot of people want to focus on after. They eat like shit, they go work out, and then they want to put a healthy protein shake. They want to get creatine. They want to get amino acids. And rebuild themselves but during the time that they're off which is you know you can look at that as post recovery going into pre-workout they don't really take care of themselves pre-workout is really maintaining a good balance of good carbohydrates and lean protein prior to working out let's say you're doing an endurance event let's say in the morning you're gonna wake up at 06 and you're gonna do a 12 mile ruck march well you need to make sure that you should stay in your body with enough carbohydrate fuel on board prior to that movement. One thing that works for me is if you know that you're going to get up in the morning to do a long range movement, you not only have to eat prior to getting at least seven to eight hours of sleep, but you have to eat before the event. Remember, it takes about four to six hours for you to break down and process all the carbohydrates that are in your body. And beyond that, you're still looking at that groggy feeling that you get when you wake up. You can't just eat a bowl of pasta prior, wake up and expect that you're going to go straight into the event. What I like to do is I'll actually wake myself up and eat a carbohydrate, whether it's a a Clif Bar, a Power Bar, something quick and easy to get my blood sugar up at least a few hours prior to the event starting. I also like to eat carbohydrates out the gate. What I mean is if I have the opportunity to eat prior to movement, I will literally have a power bar in my mouth when they say go or when I say go. And what that does is it gets fuel on board. You have to look at your body optimized as a jet plane. Understanding that when optimized, when fueled properly with the right intake of fuel, your performance is going to be high speed. And when you eat like shit, you put crappy fuel into a jet, you're going to run like crap and you're going to see that on the performance end. Also what goes hand in hand with refilling your body or fueling your body prior to a movement or prior to an endurance event is you have to take in some water with these carbohydrates. Remember if you ever get to the point in which you're thirsty, that feeling or that urge, you're probably behind the power curve and you're too late. And so it's hard to get ahead of that. You always want to stay ahead of eating and drinking prior to movement and not during. What I used to do prior to movement is I would take in carbohydrates. And, you know, If I was eating pasta, I would eat whole grain pasta or a whole grain type of food source, staying away from white flour. For me specifically, I eat paleo, so I don't put in any kind of carbohydrates unless I'm using it for fuel. Also something that's good for quick energy is fructose, sugar that comes from fruit. Because this is immediately absorbed in your body and can be utilized on the fly and prior to a movement. So you have that long range carbohydrate, which is going to be that pasta, that whole grain pasta prior to going to bed. And then when you wake up mid-morning, maybe you have a carbohydrate like a power bar that's made, you know, it's kind of optimized by power bar or by cliff bar to be fuel for you on the go. And then as you wake up, you're gonna take in another carbohydrate and then you're gonna take in a fluid of some sort. I try to utilize Gatorade and these electrolyte enhanced drinks because they work. I mean, when you're storing electrolytes, which includes potassium, sugar, sodium, you get yourself balanced and that's what you want. Another good source for a good carbohydrate taking in, in via liquid is called Endurox. I used Endurox when I was training up for selections when I was doing sports events. It's quick, it's easy, it's something that you get down and it replenishes your electrolyte levels and also gets carbohydrates on board. Now, prior to that movement, you also wanna remember that people's stomachs react differently based on what they eat. Let's say you're doing a 12 mile movement and you know through training that every time you eat in the morning that you're gonna have to take a shit. And if that's the case, because your stomach is sensitive, find out what's the good balance. It might be a power gel. It might be a gel designed to put sugar and potassium and maybe a little bit of caffeine prior to the movement. If you could tolerate it, try to take in a hard carbohydrate, which means a solid. If you could take a caffeine in as well and your stomach not act up, then try to put in a caffeine to get a little boost of energy along the way. When I was training up for a lot of these selections, I didn't do any caffeine intake whatsoever. And then I started to see my body, because I didn't take caffeine, reacted adversely to caffeine inputs at all. Now I'm immune to it, but back then I could take a little bit of caffeine and it would enhance my performance a lot because I wasn't used to it. So if you could moderate that, your caffeine intake, then when you need it, you could take it and it would enhance your overall performance. So practice makes perfect. Continue to try it and see what works for you in the mornings prior to you doing the event. Now let's talk about what you need to eat during the event. I've mentioned this strategy before on other podcasts and I'll mention it here again. When I do any kind of event, even if it's walking in the woods, i like to make sure I'm constantly fueled. If you're paleo or if you eat clean, your body tends to react differently than if you're just saturating yourself with all these bad carbohydrates. Like white flour intake, for example, spikes your insulin level, spikes your blood sugar level, and creates this imbalance that leads to onset diabetes. It causes all these issues. Well, if you don't live like that, and you eat clean, then when you actually take in fructose or you take in carbohydrates planned for your workout, you'll feel it actually affect your body and increase your fuel. And this is an awesome feeling to have because if you eat paleo and you eat clean and then you want to optimize performance, you could almost determine and predict when you need to spike your insulin levels and your blood sugar. For example, grapes. I make a joke and call it a grape break. But if I eat grapes, which is paleo approved, but if you eat grapes, it's like a mini energy pack because I feel my blood sugar spike immediately And I'm able to take those in and perform right off the bat because I'm not saturating myself in this white flour and these carbohydrates. The downfall behind eating massive amounts of carbohydrates and white flour and all the crap that we eat on a daily basis is yeah, you'll have what will appear to be sustained energy, but your body crashes off that energy when you don't have that in. And so you'll see these huge spikes followed by these huge crashes. Where you just zonk out and you fall asleep. I used to have a buddy, he would drink Diet Coke, and another buddy actually drank Diet Mountain 2 all the time. And they would see you would see these huge spikes in their energy level. And then they would fall off the map because they would be crashing from that caffeine intake and from that artificial sugar. Well if you you know you eat clean, you're gonna have a sustained energy level that you can control on the up instead of having no control on the down, if that makes sense. So what I like to do is when I'm doing an event, Let's say it's a trail run or a hike. You know, you determine how much time you're gonna be out on the trail. The time really dictates the amount of fuel that's necessary to sustain yourself over the long haul. I am a paranoid type prepper where I always prepare and I'm always ready for the worst case scenario. So I'll carry a backpack when I go on a hike full of chow just in case. Well, if you're taking that chow in, you need to make sure that you do it off the bat and off the get go and sustain yourself every 30 minutes and every hour on the hour. So what does that look like? Well, at zero hour, when I'm stepping off, I might be chewing on a piece of fruit. I might be eating a piece of Power Bar or a cliff Bar. And then 30 minutes into that movement, if it's sustained movement, I'm taking a gel or a small bit of liquid carbohydrate. I might even take a sip off of a Nalgene bottle with some Endurox or some Gatorade inside of it. And that may be adequate. But on the hour... You know, say let's say an hour into that movement, I will take a solid in. You know, I'm not going to down a cliff bar every hour on the hour. That's ridiculous. But I'll take a piece of it and put that in my mouth, and I'll start eating it along the way. What you'll start noticing is your bodies crave those carbohydrates on the fly. Let's say you did a two-hour hike, and it's a slow, sustained movement. By the end of it, on the way in, you're probably going to be daydreaming about carbohydrates or food or have food cravings. Related to your lack of nutrition throughout. If you continue to eat throughout, you won't have those food cravings and you'll have sustained energy levels through the entire duration. So if you imagine like your life and your fitness level is on a bar scale and you're trying to manage peak performance, you want to keep that bar scale high and in the three quarters of your maximum performance so you don't ever have to crash out. If you start to crash out, the problem with crashing out is once you start to diminish your resources, it's hard to catch up and your body doesn't like to play catch up until post recovery. So your tactics are gonna vary, but what you do is you go out and you measure your performance. Let's say you're doing selection train up and you're doing a five mile run for time. Well, try it. Every Monday, go out and do a five mile run and then do it with fuel on board versus not having fuel on board. I know it's hard for people who've not been in this routine to eat prior to working out, but if you do a five mile routine and you eat prior and then you run and then you take fuel on board during the exercise, I guarantee you, your performance over the long haul is going to advance and you're gonna hit this weird second wind that you didn't know you were capable of, of hitting. When you work out and you work out without carbohydrates on board, which is the immediate fuel source that your body taps into, If you don't have that, you tap into your fat stores. And when you tap into your fat stores, that's a tactic for burning fat. But in these instances, you want that fat reserve. For example, when you're in ranger school. In ranger school, you don't get a lot of calories. You don't get a lot of sleep. And you don't get a lot of time to do really any kind of recovery. So you want to maximize the fat that you have on board. A lot of people ask me, hey, what's the advice of going into selection? What do I need to do? prior to ranger school or selection and I say hey if you got a week left you're not going to change anything about you physically in a short period of time make sure you eat good and get some fat stores on your body prior to going it's going to slow you down a little bit but it's gonna be minimal but then you'll have some fat on board to tap into as an extra fuel source okay now let's talk post-workout or post endurance event when you're done with an endurance event or it could be any kind of workout, right? It could be a trail run. It could be a gym workout, hitting the weights. It could be an endurance related event, humping hump in a ruck. When you get back, the first thing you need to do is start post recovery. What a general rule of thumb is 30 minutes before the 30 minute window, after you work out, you wanna take in protein. A lot of people concentrate on just protein, but they don't concentrate their efforts on the carbohydrates. They take in a protein shake with minimal calories, with minimal fat, and they don't take any carbohydrates in. Look, your body, when it breaks down, it's in need desperately of a balance of carbohydrates and protein. Look, if you're aesthetically trying to improve, yeah, there might be some justification to that. But if you're looking for performance, refuel your body and get it prepared for the next event. So post-recovery, the only thing you need to think about is getting as much carbohydrates and as much protein on board to sustain the recovery process. This also includes hydration. What I like to do is I'll take a protein shake that has a good balance of protein between 25 and 35 grams of protein. I also like to take in some Endurox or some kind of carbohydrate that might have a little bit of protein in, it, in itself. And I'll sip on that after I take the protein shake. And then I like to eat a meal in this window between 30 minutes and an hour afterwards with vitamins and minerals. Remember the breakdown of your body and the repair of that doesn't just need carbs, fat, protein to fix itself. You also need to make sure you get the proper vitamins and minerals and natural foods and whole foods to repair for the long haul. When you look at sustaining, you have this quick burst of protein and carbohydrates right out the gate that you're flooding and saturating your, your muscles with that your body goes, oh shit, I need this food. And it starts absorbing it. And then when you eat a meal an hour after you're working out, your body looks at this and goes, hey, for the longer haul during the digestion process, I'm going to tap into this and start rebuilding and repairing. Everybody likes to go to the gym and everybody likes to do these workouts because you get endorphins, you get You know, something physiologically out of it, something mentally out of it. You see the physical aesthetic improvements, but they don't want to focus on post-recovery. Recovery is the most important process. Not only do you need to eat right afterwards, but you need to give yourself enough time to recover and focus on something else besides those muscle groups that you worked. That way, when you come back to it, your body's repaired, rebuilt, and then ready to go again, but a little bit more enhanced diet as a whole post recovery i like i said i eat paleo and what is paleo paleo is a diet which is whole food based which is based on the paleolithic period where cavemen were eating essentially whole foods that were available seeds nuts no peanuts whole foods and vegetables and fruit and nothing but a whole bunch of good meats everything we eat especially from the grocery store is full of hormones and a whole bunch of bad shit, and People are scared of fat. People are scared of protein and red meat. But all these things are actually essential, especially if you're athletic and rebuilding your body. One of the best things that I've ever done is started to accept that fat is an integral part of your overall diet. And getting rid of white flour in your diet is probably the best thing that you could ever do. You know, for example, let's take a bowl of cereal. No matter how healthy you think that bowl of cereal is, it's made from enriched flour, which is basically wheat ground down into a sugary compound, which essentially is like eating a candy bar in its equivalents. So you're eating a bowl of candy bar. The reason I say that is because your body reacts to that the same way as it does spiking your insulin levels and eating a whole bunch of sugar. Yeah, you'll get this crazy energy and you're like, wow, this meal is really good. But if you sit on your ass in an office after you eat a big meal like that, your body goes, well, I need to slow my metabolism because I'm not utilizing the energy stores that are available and I need to store this for another period of time. So you start stacking on these food stores of fat. Not only that, your body starts to feel like crap because you eat and spike your insulin levels, you spike your blood sugar, and then you don't work out and your body's like, well, I'm not going to use this. Let me just crash out here. And then you start to feel like crap. And you feel tired. Well, then you think, well, I need to eat more fuel. I need to eat more carbohydrates, more enriched flour, and then that's gonna make me feel better. And it does temporarily until you start to see this stacking of fat in your body and this constant vicious cycle of you having to eat those kind of foods. It's crazy when you think about it because nowadays it's hard to go anywhere and eat right because everything that we eat is full of enriched flour like if you take a loaf of bread let's say you're going to subway and you think you're eating healthy take a second and think about what you're eating like let's say you're eating a 12 inch sub you're a bigger dude or a bigger woman you're eating a 12 inch sub because you want to feel full and you stuff it with meat and veggies and thinking you're eating healthy take that 12 inches of bread and break it down and throw it in a blender what do you have well you have essentially a sugar compound of flour that can be treated like sugar. You're eating sugar on top of meat and veggies that not only are the, are the meat processed and packed with sodium, but I wouldn't trust the veggies because you know, you get spinach on your sandwich. Cause it makes you feel better. Well, if you boil that spinach off, it's like a tablespoon of spinach. So you're not packing yourself with nutrients with a, the proper nutrition. And then when you really think about it and look at what you're actually putting in your body. You're actually starving your body of all these important and essential vitamins and nutrients. I like to have a balance to everything. And one thing I don't necessarily agree with is like the juicing concept, right? When you juice something, it's not natural because your body's not used to getting this lethal injection almost of nutrients. But there's something to it. When you take those kind of nutrients in, your body's like, holy crap, man, I haven't had this in years. And this feels good. So your body starts feeling good. Now, I like to juice every once in a while, but I just like to eat moderately all natural. I'm not strictly paleo. You know, I drink coffee, which isn't paleo. I have glasses of wine every once in a while, which is not paleo. But what I like to do is have a good balance of whole natural foods. My general rule of thumb during, you know, whether it's post recovery or just eating in general, is three quarters of my plate needs to be all natural vegetables and fruit. And then a quarter of my plate, Based on my balanced diet, needs to be a meat, needs to be a fish, needs to be a red meat, needs to be chicken, and these are all things that you could find. You know, whether it's grass fed, whether it's wild game, you could find relatively cheap anywhere you go. It just takes a little bit of effort. So, how do you do all this good eating, and when you're in an environment like? a camping environment, survival environment, and you don't have the resources or you're in special operations selection. You're in a schoolhouse and you don't have the ability to eat good. Well, I will tell you that the best thing you could do is do the best you can. When I was in selection, I was in a pretty horrific blizzard during selection. And I remember reaching into my jacket pocket and trying to eat MREs and the actual MREs were frozen. And it was almost impossible for me to eat. And I had a pork chop inside of my jacket that was completely a brick, but it had coagulated fat around it. So I was sucking off the fat off this pork chop, which just sounds disgusting, to get nutrition. And then I was eating snow off the ground because all my canteen, my Camelback, everything was frozen. I was eating snow off the ground and sticking it in my cheek and sucking off the snow, which sounds really good, but (laughs) sucking off the snow to stay hydrated. So what does my diet look like? I wake up and I have coffee and I have a meat and a vegetable. I'm a big fan of natural cut bacon and Brussels sprouts that are full of energy. If I'm preloading for something, if I'm you know getting ready for a workout, I'll eat fruit in the morning as well. You know, I use fruit in my cushy civilian life to be able to use as pre-workout fuel. I use pears, I use apples, I use grapes and leading into uh, my workout. If I don't have a workout to keep away hunger, I'll snack on whole almonds and dried fruit. There's plenty of options out there that have no additional sugar, that are whole natural almonds and walnuts and all natural fruits. I like figs, I like you know these sweet fruits that offer a whole bunch of not only vitamins and minerals, but also offer a lot of fiber. And I'll snack on this all day long. Don't do it in excess, cause you know there's a lot of calories and Nuts and fruits, especially. And I'll eat this in moderation, but throughout the day, I'm chomping on celery. I'm eating celery and almond butter um, and finding all these good snacks in between my meals. For lunch, I like spinach. I like, you know, eating a meat, whether that's, I try not to do too much red meat during the day, so I'll stick with a tuna or a fish or maybe a chicken and then a lot of spinach. I'm a big fan of spinach. And you have to eat spinach by the handfuls because remember, if you take an entire bag at the grocery store of spinach and you and you cook it down, it's going to be almost nothing. So as much nutrients as you can from spinach, and don't be afraid to eat it. On the go, again during the, between lunch and dinner, I'm doing the same kind of snacking. So I have access to you know bags of nuts and bags of fruit inside of my vehicle, inside my backpack, wherever I'm going. I have something to eat, and that way I don't you know react poorly when I am hungry and then overeat during the meal. Dinner time, I'm a big fan of salmon. I'm a big fan of red meat. I'm a big fan of chicken. You know, it's a simple process that people tend to overcomplicate because they'll have their cheats or have these things that they eat that are unhealthy for them and that just kind of crush their ability to perform. All right, guys, so, you know, wrapping up, you know, when you're you're put into a position where you don't have adequate resources, you know, I tell people in selection like your ranger school or any kind of military school stow and cache as much food as you can to take advantage of these opportunities to take in what you can, when you can. If I'm eating snow off the ground and eating coagulated fat off of a pork chop to get me through the process, then you guys could be smarter than me and, and start stowing away food for when you need it. Survival wise, you know, it's hard to get really good food in a survival situation. That's why you have to understand your environment that you're operating in. If you live in the Sierras like I do, and you have adequate resources of natural vegetation and natural food that you can get to, you, know, you might not want to have a huge abundant supply of dry foods that aren't going to be the best thing for you. When it comes down to survival, calories in are, are very important for energy sourcing. There's going to be a point in which you start burning fat, you start burning fuel stores, and you're not going to have much left and you get complacent you start making mistakes if you guys have seen that show alone it's a good indicator of what happens when you start making mistakes you basically go crazy because your brain functions off of carbohydrates fat and protein so you you need these things to make good decisions you know this is a a subject that we could talk about for days i could uh, 30 something minutes has already gone by and I, i i feel like i barely scratched the surface of nutrition So we're going to have follow-on podcasts and I look forward to those. If you guys anticipate any follow-on topics that you want to see in nutrition specific, please let me know. I love researching this stuff. I have a passion for this stuff, especially in the realm of survival and my experiences. Hey guys, you can catch us on philcraftsurvival.com. That's F-I-E-L-D-C-R-A-F-T survival.com. You can check us on our social media pages, Philcraft LLC on Facebook or Philcraft Survival. Uh, you could also check us out on Instagram at Soft Survivor SOF Survivor and Phil Survival. Thanks for all you guys' support. We love hearing feedback from you guys. Please subscribe, please leave feedback and let us know what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. Uh, the next episode looking forward to a, a great episode talking about situation awareness and active shooting situ- situations um, because of the, the events that happen in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Thanks guys for your support. Until next time, stay alert, stay alive.